The race is on and it looks like heartaches And the winner loses all Hello and welcome to the In the Ring Pedigree Podcast. Uh, I am uh, your host for today, Jonathan Kinchin. Our buddy PTF is gallivanting around uh, somewhere near Cheltenham with a hat on, um, using a lot of English slang, I would imagine, uh, having fun watching the jump races. But over here in America, we're uh, we're having uh, some more things going on. Uh, I would say some some uh, interesting. Storylines that have popped up early this week, and and uh, I brought on a couple people that I wanted to interview uh, to talk about those things a little bit. Uh, later in the show, we'll have uh, Craig Burnick, uh, Glen Hill Farms, and also of the Thoroughbred Idea Foundation to kind of give his perspective of of what's going on and and what we can expect moving forward and, and trying to uh, make sense of all of this. And then also uh, going to have on my good buddy. Jake Ballas of Black Type Thoroughbreds to talk about his exciting filly, a little, some positivity into this show a little bit, and uh, also his take, a uh, guy with a strong opinion, a, a guy that plays the game um, the, the way that I think we'd, we'd all hope that, that everyone was playing it, and, and so some frustrations there when, of the news that was uh, broke earlier this week. Uh, I, I'm not going to report on that news. Use your Googler if you don't know what's going on. Uh, with the indictment of uh, Jorge Navarro, Jason Service, and a, uh, I would say handful, but it's going to be more than a handful of others. So, uh, first of all, we're going to get started with Craig here, and so uh, forgive this transition, because I don't remember what I said when I pre-recorded the interview, so hopefully this works. I'm here with someone who, who uh, when, when when things happen in the racing industry, I love to hop on the phone with and just... Uh, let this person kind of explain it to me. I know you've been on the phone a ton yesterday, uh, probably taking a million calls. I, I made a joke about if, if we were still in the day and age of minutes, I would have been in trouble yesterday. I'd imagine you would too. Craig Burnick. What's going on, Craig? Nothing. What's going on with you? <laughs> I just had to make an emergency run to Chick-fil-A last night. Uh, I, I was trying to make Austin eat healthy. And in, in exchange, he 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 uh, he bargains he bargains hard. He required a Chick Fil A trip this morning, and and so I had to sprint over there to uh, to grab some chicken minis. Hopefully, a future horse trader will need some when he's old enough to do it. So hopefully, he's learning his bargaining and uh, you know tit for tat quickly. I tell you what, I almost cried, a, almost shed a tear when we were pulling in. He says, uh, "Dad." When do we leave to go to Saratoga? I can't wait to go to Saratoga. And I, I cried a little bit. Yeah, I think everybody's ready for Del Mar and Saratoga. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little bit the dog days of March right now. Last year, um, Santa Anita dominated the news. And then, you know, this year, it's been, you know, obviously the news that came out, I don't know when the podcast plays, but for us, you know, the news just kind of broke yesterday, 24 hours ago, the indictment came out, um, you know, and it, everything, everybody's trying to, uh, trying to process all of it. And it's, you know, it's, it's a lot going on over the weekend. We had all the news about, uh, Sheikh Mohammed and the queen and, you know, from the bloodstock side of things. And you know, there'll be repercussions there too, on top of, oil crashing and 
you know, what the Saudis are doing and then the coronavirus and the stock market effect of all that. So I think everybody's a, a little bit numb to what's going on. But um, obviously we're in the horse business and these stories are, uh, these stories are important stories. And obviously, um, you know, it's it, a big piece of the issues that the horse business has. Last year at Santa Anita, um, this year, you know, with Navarro and service and all the other um, sort of things that have happened and the horse racing's kind of, you have to call it like if it were an NCAA investigation, it would be like a lack of institutional control and all the, all the issues that we've had sort of mismanagement and racetracks that are now casino companies and don't have the growth of horse racing and the integrity of horse racing and the betting of horse racing as their main function industry organizations that, you know, they, they seem that they would rather kind of keep the status quo. And by that, I mean, for them, the status quo is screaming about people that don't agree with them. Everybody understands that the business is broken everybody thinks that they're right. There's not enough people saying we need to lock ourselves in the room and come out with a deal. It's not going to be the right deal for everybody a hundred percent of the way, but it's going to make things better. And this has been going on for since I've, I mean, I've been running Glen Hill farm since 2008, but I've been interested in it, you know, since 15 years or more before then. And, you know, this, the, the, the symptoms of, of, of what we're seeing now, you know, we, we had a lot of bad habits and mismanagement for 20, 25 years. All those guys are still in power. Um, we're completely reliant on the people that have overseen the horse business um, over the last 25 years to kind of lead us to the future today. And then that's concerning because, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a business that we love. Um, we try to play. We try to play it straight. I've had the same trainer, um, Tom Proctor, and before that, his father Willard Proctor. You know, since my grandfather got in the horse business in 1966, we've basically just had those two trainers. We've had the same farm in Ocala. Um, you know, and we've tried to breed horses from you know, horses that ran from fillies that ran and from families that we support, we try to supplement it at the sales. And, you know, it's like the last two or three years, it's almost like we forgot how to do anything. And, you know, when you see the, when you see the, uh, you know, our, our record, the last two or three years, you know, we still have some good horses that can win stakes, but kind of our average maidens and our average horses. I mean, this is, I don't know if this is the bloodstock or handicapping show you didn't tell me, but kind of our average horses, they're not competitive the way they used to be. And then when, you know, you like to think you didn't forget what you're doing, but you start to wonder. And then, you know, when the news of this indictment comes out, it's, you know, it's frankly staggering. I mean, you've got guys who are miracle trainers, the other people indicted, have been thrown out of harness racing. You know, they're not allowed, they're not allowed around harness racing because they're known cheats. And these are the guys that 
seem like they've hired service in Navarro. They've sourced uh, chemicals for these guys. They've, you know, and they've, it, it, it's, it's disconcerting. I, 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 I'm not naive enough to think that the only two people that are taking an edge are Jason Service and and Navarro. Um, and all of a sudden it's going to be like some Pollyanna. But I would think after yesterday, a lot of people who might be cheating, um, you know, it, it may, maybe they'll scale back for a little while or stop because you know, no, nobody wants to go to jail. And, you know, I think that they need to, send these guys to jail and throw the book at them and make examples of them and, you know, try to try to start to regulate the sport in a better way. Now you, you mentioned, uh, you know, Glen Hill farm, your operation at Glen Hill farm. I mean, I, I think one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was as an owner, um, as a breeder and, and all in a better, and I mean, you kind of wear all the hats. How do you feel? Do you remember a time that you ran second to one of these guys? How does it make you feel? What do you think the repercussions are for for a, a horse like Midnight Bisu who runs second uh, at Saudi or if, uh, if you know some of the other races that were kind of laid out in the indictment? I mean, if you ran second in one of those races, how do you feel? What steps would you look at taking? Um, obviously, some steps might be wasteful, but what, what things would you do and, and where are you at on that? I mean, for me, for me, I'm just going to move forward. I think it's you know, there aren't tests for a lot of the uh, the drugs that the, the cheaters have been using. I mean, in the indictment, you've got the vet or the drug supplier telling uh, Jason Service that they don't even have a test for maximum security, what we're giving this horse. So you, you can't fail a test that they don't have a test for. So for me, um, I think going back and trying to reverse engineer when we would have won or I mean I I remember plenty of times getting beat by people that you know I had questions about but same time you know these people have been around for a long time and I remember Noel Hickey in Arlington in the 80s I mean we had very good horses and you know maybe you know we had a bunch of relaunches and he was a great stallion and my grandpa owned that horse and you know we we could outrun his horses um, but most other people couldn't, but we, we had great horses and, you know, when I've had stake horses the last six, eight, 10 years, I've never, I've never been worried in a stakes race with a good horse. Um, because a good horse usually can overcome a lot and so on. But, you know, in everyday maiden races and stuff, if a, if a horse is getting an edge and your horse is just average, it is going to be difficult, but, um, I'm just going to really move forward. Um, because I, you know, we've, uh, we had a situation years ago before I took over the farm. I think we were second in the Del Mar Derby in 2006. And it's a case that like echoes the justify case with the Jimson weed that I know Mick Ruiz is trying to go down that road. Um, you know, our horse was second, the first place horse, had the the race was oversubscribed the Del Mar Derby and the the first place horse had won I think the La Jolla mile or the Oceanside or something but he had tested positive in that race the California Horse Racing Board 
knew he tested positive in that race, but he was still going through the process of trying to question that test. Um, so they let him enter the Del Mar Derby. He won the Del Mar Derby. We were second. He then got disqualified for the La Jolla Mayo, the Ocean Side, or whatever. So we made the argument that he shouldn't have been allowed in because he wouldn't have had enough earnings on turf to get in the race because the race was oversubscribed. Um, you know, you're you're fighting against regulators and horsemen's groups, and you know, even if you think you're on the right side of it, all you end up really doing is spending money and wasting energy. And I'm I'm not going to go down that again. Um, you know, we, we, I'm involved in the stallion, uh, syndicate that purchased world of trouble. Um, you know, I, I have to stand up for that deal because I'm, I made, you know, we, we bought the horse. Um, I made I made the deal. So, you know, he stands at Hillendale farm. I'm part of it. And, you know, he's, he's, he's a great one winner on dirt. He's a great one winner on turf. You know, he's trained by a guy who, They've got on tape, you know, they say he's doping horses, you know, I'm not sure any of us would have done things the same if we knew what we know now. I've heard whispers and have had my own um, question on certain trainers. I'm not saying you become immune to it or you become conditioned to it, but, you know, if you're, if you're in a, if you're in a business that invests in stallion shares and you evaluate the horses as they come and you know he's a he's a blazingly fast horse that um you know outran everybody you know he's he's uh roger clemens and barry bonds and alex rodriguez i mean they were the best baseball players and then they started cheating and they 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 got like video game numbers so we we understand all that now but you know it's there's really nothing i can I can do about it. So it's, it's not like, it's not like, uh, I don't think anybody that runs horses is naive. Um, you know, but you know, there's, there's, it's, it's a, it's a really, um, it's a really damaged sport right now. And, you know, the, you know, my, my, the proverb that I always say is the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And the second best time is now. So like we can, you know, obviously we've made a lot of mistakes for a long time and we, we should have, we should have operated differently, but the business has to, has to take what happened yesterday as a, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we have to move forward and people have to start acting with integrity and look, the, the, the regulators and the stewards and the racetrack, executives and we've got racing secretaries that are best friends with jockey agents and they decide which races are going to go when the jockey agent has a horse that he knows is good you you know there's a, there's a, there's 10 races in the book with 15 extras i mean there's there's lots of areas of this business that need to act with way more integrity than they are beyond um testing for doping you know and and, and people need to be held accountable there's like we've got a sport that, you know, it's got a long history and it's got a great history and it has, it has a damaged, you know, it's had, it's had moments that it's been damaged, but it's, uh, you know, they have to start acting like a major league sport when baseball has an issue, 
you know, they, they figure out what happened. They figure out why it happened and they punish and they try to move on. And they say, if anything like this happens again, the punishment's going to be 10 times worse. Um, you know, you, 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 you see what happens with the Patriots when they think they're cheating. I mean, they suspend the greatest quarterback of all time for quarter of the season. They, 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 they take away first round draft picks they, they, you know, horse racing, you know, we say, well, gosh, we gotta, we, we gotta be careful because those guys enter so many horses. We can't piss them off. Like it's just, it's a, it's a messed up business, but to think that it's only testing and only drugs that needs to be sort of improved, you know, from a, from a gambling standpoint, you know, from a transparency standpoint, from a technology standpoint, from the terms that we, we make bets at with, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to attract regular customers to horse racing and they're expected to pay two or three times more than a regular player. So they've got the learning curve and they're playing for way more expensive of a price. I mean, the whole thing is, the whole thing is backwards and, you know, it's a sport that we all like. And if we're going to, if we're going to fix it, everybody's got to look in the mirror instead of say, I told you so, and look at what these guys are doing and our ways, right? Because that's all they've been saying for since before you and I've been born. There's been sort of debates and screaming and reiterating talking points and not enough, uh, compromise and move forward. If they don't compromise and move forward, you know, we're going to, we're going to be racing at Keeneland and Churchill in Kentucky and maybe a little bit um, at Saratoga and, you know, somewhere warm. There'll, there'll be, there'll be a very small industry if they don't really start to fix this thing and compromise now, because, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a sport, it's a sport that's been mismanaged and declined. So it, the thing needs to, uh, the thing needs to get better in a hurry. You know, one of the things that, that kind of popped in my head, you know, yesterday, and, and and I've never I've never seen a stallion contract. I'd imagine it's pretty intense uh, with a lot of different verbiage and wording, and lots of ins and outs, and this and that, and liabilities here and there. Um, you know, obviously maximum security, who you mentioned, who was mentioned in the indictment. Um, you know, signed a pretty big deal with to to go to Coolmore to stand at Coolmore when he's done running and and uh, you know obviously ran in their colors in the in the Saudi Cup and you know I guess my first thought was and, and good thing luckily for the horse he's going to have an opportunity the news came out that he's going to be moved to Bob Baffert's barn so he'll have the opportunity to to kind of confirm that he is a a special horse a, a generational type horse that that we've all got to see run over the last year or so but you know. Where is Coolmore at with something like this? I mean, does a contract like have provisions for things like this that can make that void? Or are they just are they on the hook for this? You know, you know, whatever it is, the thirty million or whatever. I mean, what are their steps and what what can they do uh, with with the news that came out yesterday? Look, I don't know what they're I don't know what they paid, and I don't know what their contract says, and I, I don't really know what their options are. Um, you know, they're essentially the biggest global player them or Sheikh Mohammed in the horse business. Um, so they've, they've done it all and they've seen it all. 
and they've been through it all. Um, and there'd be nobody that uh, needs horse racing to be an important sport um, with a good reputation as far as, you know, on the track and then the whole commercial side than them. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but, you know, they're, 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 they're long-term players. They've been in it forever and, and they're set up to be in it, you know, as long as there's a sport. So, you know, there's no question, you know, however many horses Jason service has trained. I think he, they said he's trained thousand starters or more. And, you know, since 2018, you know, there'd be no question that his best horse is uh, maximum security. You know, they're, they're, they give, uh, I, I guess he gave dope to plenty of horses that they're not, they're not stakes winners. They're, 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 they're competitive in their, in their, at their level, but they're not, they're not maximum security or, you know, Shaki Shabazz or world of trouble or, you know, whoever, and same with Navarro. So it is great that that horse will have an opportunity, um, you know, to uh, to race, and he's with uh, he's with a Hall of Fame trainer who's 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 also done it all and seen it all, and you know he's 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 capable with every level of horse, you know, every type of horse. So he, so, so 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 the horse is going to have a chance. I mean, I I, I think World of Trouble is a fantastic horse. You know, he's obviously got a, there's a, there's a, there'd be a question on these horses today. You know, you look at our black type books and fillies that, you know, there's been, there's been plenty of grade one races that have been won by fillies that there was questions about their connections. You know, you, the Japanese, they come and buy them all they become the foundation mares for the horse racing in Japan. They come back and buy more and more and more. So, you know, I'm not somebody that subscribes to every horse in the U S is on drugs, but, um, there's a perception that a lot of them are, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's going to be, uh, it, it, it's going to be some tough sledding for our sport. Um, you know, for the, for the uh, for the next while until we get this thing until we get this thing cleared up. I mean, we need we need to have the confidence of the betting public, and frankly, we we must have the confidence of the general public and the potential horse owners that they're that they're going to be investing in a game that's fair. Um, you know, so I think you know yesterday is a tough day and. When you read the specifics of the indictments, it's like shocking the, some of the things that you read. Um, you know, but hopefully it's a hopefully it's a place that we can move forward from. And you know, if there's other people that are bad actors in other parts of the country, you know, I'm sure they read that too. And they're they're gonna you'd have to think that they're gonna start behaving a little bit better. Um, you know, when, when they kicked out Alex Rodriguez for, you know, the season and then the next season, you know, there were still a couple people that tested positive for steroids, but it wasn't, you know, David Ortiz and Alex Rodriguez and Sammy Sosa and, you know, 
Roger Clemens. It wasn't the it wasn't Hall of Fame generational talents. It was, you know, it was people kind of trying to jump up and, you know, then they get caught and they get suspended for half the year and, you know, if they get just caught again, they get suspended for a year and hopefully that'll happen in horse racing. We've got, I mean, Joe Sharp. I don't know Joe Sharp, but I run at fairgrounds and his horses run well. You know, they they all tested positive. There, there's gonna, you know, doesn't look like there's a suspension coming out of Louisiana. So, you know, whether he whether he deliberately gave something that would enhance a horse's performance or uh, he he gave a dewarming product which horses need that had a had a, had an ingredient in there that was banned. Whatever happened, like, you know, he's not denying giving it. So you've you've got to you've got to suspend people because if you don't, they're just going to do it again. Like Graham Motion gets suspended, Chug McGahey gets suspended, Tom Proctor got suspended for Ace. He, you wouldn't give a horse Ace if you wanted it to run well because Ace is something that you might give to a horse that first day back at the track after they've been gelded so they don't do too much and you want them to have a quiet day or first time back after a tough race or whatever. He had some horse with an ace in its system. Like, you know, they suspended him, Delaware Park. So all of a sudden, guy gets however many suspensions, excuse me, however many positives Joe Sharp got. He's not going to get suspended. Like it's, you know, it's it, it, it's absolutely bizarre. So, um, you know, Shug McGahee got suspended for Ohio. Grand Motion got suspended. Bill Mott gets suspended. So we're, 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 you know, we're prosecuting what everybody thinks are honest trainers to like the nth degree when they test positive for a mistake or like a picogram overage. And then you've got guys that are like actually cheating with EPO and, you know, synthetic, um, you know, acid that's going to lubricate a horse's joints that's illegal and putting painkillers on top of that. And we don't have a, we don't have a test for any of the things these guys are using and they're winning at 29% and they're winning, they're doing it in Dubai, which supposedly has um, great testing and a no tolerance rule. And the guy's given the, the X, Y, jet, the, the stuff himself. So I think we've got it wrong here. Like, we, we, you know, if you, if you just rely on testing without investigations, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to catch these guys. You know, the jockey club's got the stud book where they can revoke privileges to people that want to breed horses at the same time, you know, they, they're, they're in charge of the registry where it'd be very easy for them to say, look, no offspring of a horse that raced that was born in the year 2021 or after that raced on medication can, can produce a fall in the stud book. So now all of a sudden you'd have no fillies racing on medication because they would be worth nothing at the end of their career if they couldn't produce a fall. And frankly, the breeding stallions that aren't geldings, you'd have the same. So maybe, you know, your geldings could run on, whatever's run state by state, but 
from the jockey club's perspective, I mean, that's what I'd be looking at if I were them, because they they they, they need to they need to start doing something that's going to put the fear in these people, um, because right now it's pretty obvious. I mean, they're they're they've been operating assuming that it was going to go on forever. So, um, you know, the the business needs to they they need they need to get real serious about this. Um, you know, if they say that. If, if the if the jockey club and the world people say the only answer is the federal bill and the horseman's group says, well, we need LASIX and, you know, it's too, it's too difficult to let the federal government um, in charge and run everything. And we've got this Interstate Horse Racing Act, which has been what's been in place for 40 years. And you've got horse race, excuse me, you've got racetrack companies that really are more concerned with their slot machines. You know, we're going to be having the same conversation in two or three years, except the sport's going to be way smaller. So, you know, the, the, these guys, they, they, they need to compromise and everybody needs to realize that, you know, the, 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 the game and the sport and the business, you know, is at stake here. So they, they, they have to compromise. If, if anybody thinks that yesterday happened, so now they're going to get their way. I wish they were right, but it, but it, but it, 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 history has shown that that's very unlikely. So that people need people need to come to the table and make a deal and make it better. So to, to kind of wrap up this whole thing into one nice little package, I guess if you want to call it a nice package, you mentioned that your favorite proverb earlier about you know the best time to plant a tree is twenty years ago, and the second best is 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 now. D- do you think that this? Is that thing that pushes us pushes us as an industry over the edge to actually plant that tree, or are you optimistic that that this is that one moment where it kind of makes the turn for the better? And if it if it does, if you do believe that it is, or if even if you don't, you know, I it, I know it's a it's a it, obviously if it was easy, we would have done it by now. How do you actually envision that happening? How do we get Churchill Downs? Delmar, Keeneland, Naira, Stronic, the Jockey Club, Breeders' Cup at the table and let one of those organizations feel like they're getting the, the short end of the stick. How do we get them to all agree that we're much better united and these types of things are less likely to happen if we have that united front? I mean, how optimistic are you or, or do you feel like this probably isn't the savior we maybe all hope it is? Well, I mean, there's no question that what you laid out, I, 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 it, it must happen. Um, you know, you've got racetracks who've started this thoroughbred safety coalition. They started it a while ago. Um, they're not starting it tomorrow. They started it a while ago. So they've got racetracks that are talking that are in place. Um, you know, I think everybody should be supportive of what they're trying to do. I don't, from, I'm not part of it. I wish they were moving faster and I wish they were, I wish, I wish they could implement the changes that they say they're going to make. Um, because I think, you know, I, I, I think, I think racetracks operating together, I think they have like 90 plus percent of the graded stakes in this country, um, as part of this coalition. Uh, you know, the breeders cup is supportive of this coalition the jockey club, you know, they really want this federal bill. Um, uh, for me, if you could make the federal bill happen, that'd be great. But 
I think it's years and years and years away down the road, and we don't have years and years and years to fix this sport. Um, I think we've been pushing for federal legislation for, I think, six years. And in those six years, um, you know, the business has gotten much worse uh, as far as a public perception standpoint. So, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic because, look, I mean, I moved to Lexington, Kentucky. I'm from Chicago. Race horses in California and our farms in Florida. Uh, there's a lot of nice places around the country. I moved here, you know, because I'm passionate about the sport. This is the this is kind of the capital city of horse racing in, in North America. If you're in the potato business, I guess you move to Idaho. But um, you know, I'm 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 optimistic because it is a great sport. Like Pat Cummings and I always talk about, you know. It, it, the sport has such high potential if it operates in the right way. We, you know, we, we've got a, we've got a sport with great history. It's competitive. Um, the gambling side of it, I, I don't know why people shrink away from the gambling side of it. I mean, the sport uh, is the best gambling game I know. And frankly, anything that a gambler wants to see, they want a level playing field. They want transparent practices. Uh, they want to hear from stewards. They want to see the rulings. They want better technology. Um, they want better rules. And, you know, yes, they want better pricing. But once you realize and understand the math that if there's better pricing, more money's returned to gamblers and then they bet more and revenue goes up, it's like everything they want if you're a horse breeder who's dependent on people coming to Kentucky to buy your horses, or you're somebody who races horses that wants a level playing field, you know, what the gamblers want is what, is what we all want. The nice thing about if you improve it for the gamblers, that money flows directly to the horse business, the purses and the operation of racetracks. Um, We've this whole slot machine fad and alternative gaming fad that has helped our purses, you know, really hasn't helped the business long-term because I think horsemen's groups have gotten lazy because they've got great purses and don't really care about the integrity as much as they need to because the purses are great. And then the racetracks, they don't really care if they've got people gambling on horse racing and people coming through their doors because they're really in the you know, the video poker and slot machines and other uh, casino gaming business. And, you know, we, we, we need to get back to improving horse racing, having a sport that, you know, we're going to have for the next couple of generations. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always optimistic that um, we can improve the sport. And, you know, hopefully yesterday, hopefully yesterday is a tipping point when people realize that the, what we've been doing isn't working and ho- ho- hopefully, hopefully it is the right time, but without those racetracks that you mentioned, plus the breeders cup and the jockey club actually coming in and agreeing that this is the path forward. You know, you can't do it without any of those organizations. If you try to do something without one of them, they're going to feel left out and they're going to say they're not doing it. Um, but all those organizations need to realize they're not going to get a hundred percent of what they want. And, you know, I don't want a sport where we just play in Kentucky. 
um, you know, it, it needs to be a big time national sport. So hopefully everybody will get, um, hopefully, hopefully it will. So I am optimistic, but I'm skeptical because, you know, the racetracks are for profit companies, um, public companies, some of them, uh, you know, and they need to do what's in their best interest, but certainly Churchill, maybe not as much some of the other casino companies, but they're not the ones you mentioned. Certainly Churchill with their investment in Kentucky and their investment in the Kentucky Derby, they need horse racing to have a good reputation and be on solid ground. Certainly Stronach with Gulfstream and Santa Anita and Maryland, they've got major, major investments. Certainly Naira, certainly Del Mar, and then obviously Keeneland because they're the they're not just a racetrack. They're really the marketplace for the sport. Those are the right groups. And, um, you know, Breeders' Cup and Jockey Club, they're, they're, they're the industry organizations that are supposed to improve the integrity uh, and economics of the horse business on behalf of, like, owners and breeders. So that's actually their mission. And they've got money. So, you know, they, 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 they need to come together and do it. So I hope they will. Craig, every time something like, you know, not like this, but something industry news breaking happens, I always feel like I have a clear mind after I get to talk to you for a while. Um, what? Uh, so I appreciate you taking the time. What is coming next from um, the Thoroughbred Idea Foundation? Obviously, you guys have, have had a string of white papers, um, yourself, Pat Cummings, the board, the team there at, at TIF. And, uh, you know, obviously there was the breakage, the takeout. Uh, you guys have the free data Fridays. What 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 uh, can you kind of tease us with is that, that's coming next from you guys? I mean, I, you know, the the most recent um, you know work that we've been doing, I think we've I think we've started to make some headway in educating, excuse me, the industry that um, you know it, it's really going to have to come from owners and breeders to improve the business with it, it, you know, racetracks don't actually have the incentive to grow horse racing the way, you know, you would like them to. And a lot of the industry organizations, you know, they've, they've got the same boards and the same management for a long time and they haven't gotten it done, but the people with the actual investment, as far as horses, as far as land, um, as far as time and a passion, you know, that, that really need to see the business improve over the long term um, are these owners and breeders. And owners and breeders, they, 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 they make up a lot of the boards. So it's, it, we're really moving to try to demand kind of better action from these boards. If we can hopefully, you know, set up the boards to, instead of overlap and work on the same thing, actually divide responsibility and hold each of those boards or organizations accountable for the, for their area of the business. I think we'd work in a clearer way. Um, you know, and that's, that's really what, that's really what our last paper was on. Um, Pat's doing some work on the, uh, you know, the, the thoroughbred racetracks of America and then the, the thoroughbred racing protective bureau and just really trying to explain to the business like what those organizations' roles are. Um, you, know, you used to have racing secretaries that, when there were bad actors on the track, they just said, "Hey, you guys, you guys got to go." Um, 
you know, now it doesn't seem like the racing secretaries are as strong. That's not the racing secretary's fault. That's probably the business's fault. But, you know, we, we have these organizations that are set up that, you know, are supposed to function in ways that improve the business. We just need, you know, action from them. Um, as far as integrity from drugs, as far as integrity in the betting process, uh, as far as transparency to explain to customers, fans and participants, like what's going on. You know, we, 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 we really, we're going to keep trying to reiterate that, um, you know, and just keep going. I think, I think we've made a lot of progress in kind of educating the business and, um, you know, we've touched on a lot of issues that seem like, you know, they've, they've, be, you know, uh, it's not a good thing, but, you know, we, we talked about stewards decisions and category one, category two, and then the horse got disqualified in the Kentucky Derby and we had written a paper. So, you know, I think the business should, should look at that paper and look at it as an option to, you know, really improve the, rules and the transparency and the way we communicate with people because look if if that happened in the Super Bowl and you've got plenty of people that they, they really only watch the Super Bowl all year they wouldn't understand what's going on but you, certainly in the Super Bowl you'd, you'd explain the rules to the customers of why something's happening we do we didn't do that we're afraid to talk about it because Gary West is suing everybody and you know we we, we, we we're we're not acting good enough as a business if we want to be competitive for customers that have other options from entertainment and gambling. So, you know, we need to, we need, we need, the business needs to do better and, you know, we'll keep looking for areas to talk about and try to explain, you know, not just the issues, but what some solutions are to improve the sport and hopefully they'll, uh, they'll take some of the ideas and implement them and, and, you know, take them seriously. So we'll just keep going. Craig, I really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to, to give us your thoughts. I, I mean, I also appreciate you in a, in a, in a, in a wider range of areas. I appreciate the, the effort and time you, you put into to making this, this sport better. Someone in your position with, with the, the, the things you have going on, you got, you have a lot of, you have a lot of right to just keep your head down and worry about Glen Hill Farm and what's best for Craig Burnick, and I don't feel like you do that, and I, I really do appreciate that, and, and I think I speak for a lot of uh, a lot of other people in the industry and horse players as well. So thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks. Maybe next time we'll actually have a fast horse that we could handicap its race or its last race or something. I, that, that's what I really want to be on the phone for. We're just waiting for the Philly Free data when she when she debuts. We'll be, that's when we'll, that's when we'll we'll uh, we'll line them up. Sounds good. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Craig. Now I get to bring on uh, one of my good friends. Good might not even be a, a strong enough word. One of my best friends in the world, and and uh, and someone who uh, who I spend a majority of my uh, night, weekend minutes, and, and text messages uh, on. It's my good friend of uh, Black Type Thoroughbreds, Jake Ballas. Huncho, what's going on? Hey, Jonathan, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I, I Austin, I was just telling Craig. I, I was a little bit late to recording today. I'm a little bit behind because I forgot last night that I promised Austin I would take him to Chick-fil-A. And, and uh, when I told him I was going to work for an hour, he looked at me like, yeah, yeah, but where's this Chick-fil-A at? So I had to I had to run and do that. I'm surprised you didn't get a Tommy One Wingy for breakfast down in Austin. 
Look, I think I think we might go there for lunch today. So it's um, <laughs> <laughs> I swear the I, greatest wings I've ever had. And the funny thing about it is they text you when your wings are ready. Like so because it actually takes a little bit longer than you would think. They like actually make them right there on the spot. And I was like scrolling through that number that texts me. And it's it's almost embarrassing how many times I've eaten there. But whatever. I'll get you a hat today. They got I Tommy. Think Wong, I, hat. I think I may need to come down to Texas just for the just for the wings. You do need to come down. So. Anyway, um, look, I wanted to have you on today to, to, to talk a little bit about this this stuff that's been going on. I, I actually think you were the person who probably texted me first about uh, about what was happening. And I know that we've also had some a number of conversations sitting in those uncomfortable chairs at Drake's talking about the state of this game and, and some of these uh, annoying uh, situations that you have to deal with as, a, as an owner and a, a guy who tries to do things the right way. But first, before we get to the kind of the negative, I want to highlight something that was, uh, uh, in someone, a Philly that's been pretty, pretty emotionally taxing for me the last, <laughs> the last month or so. And that's your, uh, big beast Philly that won it at Gulfstream last week, uh, up in smoke. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun last weekend, man. We, uh, you know, we purchased her back in, back in Maryland last year, the two-year-old sales. She had <clears throat> got her up to Saratoga had some bone bruising, sent her to Bruce Jackson at Fair Hill uh, for a couple months. Got her back. You know, she'd been training okay and you know, nothing eye-catching. And so we debuted her back in February you know, with IRAD riding, and uh, she won very, very impressive. Uh, and she got a five-and-a-half on the thorough graph, which I know a lot of people look at, which is uh, a very, very good number. And then we are, you know, we are pointing to the stake at, at uh, Tampa at the end of this month. And then this allowance came up in the book and, and George called me and said, you know, I think it'd be a good, you know, stepping stone Just to use our conditions. She is a Florida bred. And, you know, anytime you're going to be four to five, four to five or even money, he thinks it's a good idea to run. So, I, you know, I agreed with that. And well, we got Johnny V this go around and we kind of, we got an outside post and thought we would break set off the speed and kind of run exactly like we did the first race. And then she threw us for a loop and decided she was going to break. Okay. And drop all the way out of it to dead last. And, uh, you know, turning for home, I, I literally thought we were, we were toast. And then I put my head down and next thing I hear is, uh, I had a group with me and George and them yelling, come on, Johnny. And picked my head back up. So what do you mean? Come on, Johnny. I thought we were easing up. And, uh, Next thing you know, to the lane, she exploded and, and, and won by four. Uh, so she's an exciting feeling that, uh, you know, it's been a couple of years since we had a big horse again. Uh, so it's a very, it's a very emotional game. Tons of highs and lows. And the last couple of years have been a lot more lows than highs. So she's really picked us up. And uh, we're looking forward to running her at uh, Tampa, March 29th. Or there's a shot we go open company and run at Keeneland. Um, <clears throat> but those are the two spots we're looking at. But she's going to be a lot of fun for us and the new partnership we put together. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I think I, I laugh at uh, at the back in the day when 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 people used to just listen to races through the radio, and and I, I always when I have when I'm forced to have to do it, I sometimes when I'm made a bet or something and I can't watch, but I can only listen. It's stressful because you know the race callers are all great, right? They do their best to try to tell the story of what's going on, but sometimes you're where am I at? Where's my horse? What's going on? And I thought Pete Aiello's call of Up and Smoke's race was was phenomenal. It actually tells the story of what was happening. And if you haven't seen the race, 
you know, you're going to have a lot of fun uh, listening to the call uh, that we're going to that we're going to play for you here because I, I thought Pete did uh, an outstanding job telling the story and, and, and giving you the the roller coaster of emotion. So uh, we'll go back to last week and uh, Pete Aiello. And they're off. Good start for the favorite up in smoke. Meanwhile, the second choice, Richie's great girl, was last to begin. Merseyside has a narrow lead early from Belladonia, who moves to take second up in smoke, being asked to keep up with these top two. Up on the outside, and Aunt Nadine is now third. At the inside and takes two to Wiggle, who's an early fifth, as up in smoke is shuffling herself right back here. Right is racing a length in front of Let's Be Honest and Richie's great girl and Bahamian girl between. Up in smoke just does not look happy. She does appear up in smoke as she's backpedaled the last as the battle rages on up front. 22 and 1 for the opening quarter with the advantage Mercy side by half a length. Belladonia gives way. Aunt Nadine is next. Here's the second choice. Richie's great girl. Blue colors on the outside having to go wide, but she's on a roll now. Let's be honest, tries to rally with her. It takes two to wiggle is next as Mercy side is still the target. 45 and 3 for a half mile. Mercy side is the leader. Off the turn on top by five. Way out wide. Up in smoke has found renewed energy. And here she comes like a blitz here. What a run this is going to be. It's Up in Smoke who appeared exactly that, and now she's going away to win it. Up in Smoke with a stylish victory. Wow. She won by three in the end. Merseyside was second, close for third, and won 11 and one. Dude, I, I tell you what, man. I, I told you after the race, I had had a – I don't know. It's probably bad luck. I shouldn't have done this, but I was sitting there watching the race with Austin, and he obviously uh, – Huncho is what I call Jake, is, is, is one of his favorite people. So he was excited about watching the Philly, and I had just – was waiting and kind of nervous, so I started writing a tweet, pretty much celebrating ahead of time. I, I, I should have never done that to you, but I started, started writing a tweet, and at the middle of the race, right about the time that Pete said she's up in smoke, I deleted the tweet and started panicking. I, I was just so scared that something had happened to her that I, I, I was just praying that she was going to come back into the picture. I just wanted her to come back into the picture jogging. She had a bad day, and here we go. I'm sure it was a lot more intensive emotions for you. Um, how did you keep it together? You know, I, I was very confident, you know, going into the race, like I said, and I said, you know, we're just going to sit right off and turn it for home. We're going to, you know, Johnny be a typical ride like he does on Pletcher's horses, just coasting and then kick home. And, you know, so I was very confident. I was with a big group. And, you know, when I sat down, I put my hand in my head and, and I was just thinking to myself, how am I going to explain this to my new partners who were already talking about what stake we're going to go to, which was probably premature. And I just remember right afterwards, I, I looked at uh, at Maddie, my fiance, and I said, what were you thinking? She just said how miserable the flight home was going to be the next day, how bad of a mood you were going to be in. So that was, it was funny. And, and looking at everyone's face, was, we were kind of in shock. So they talk about the highs and low in racing, where we're on we're on a big high down the backside right before the turn, very very low, and then in the stretch the highest the highs again, and it was a great call by Pete, uh, but this it just that's what makes horse racing so so fun and exciting is you don't you don't get this kind of rush in a lot of other sports, and that's why I'm trying to get more people involved and uh, just so they can go to the race and experience something similar to that. Now, I hope she doesn't run like that again, because it'll give you a heart attack. Uh, so maybe she learned something out of the race and will be a little more professional next time. 
Now you mentioned uh, the the new group. Uh, you know, I know some of the guys are are some some people that you uh, grew up with, and and then some others. Uh, t- tell me a little bit about the group you put together, and, and what kind of sets you guys aside from some of the other groups we've seen out there. Well, one one person in the group, Reagan Swinbank, he's been involved before with our first horse we bought, which was Joining the Dance, that ran in the 2009 Kentucky Derby, and. Uh, so he, he, he kind of put together some friends back home in Houston, guys that have never been involved, don't know much about horse racing. And uh, so when we bought her, I just I called him. I said, hey, do me a favor. Let's try to put some, some good people down in Texas and get more guys involved. And, you know, majority of people, it's a, you know, younger group of guys and that just want to have fun. And they know going into it, it's, they're not doing it to make money. If we can, fantastic. Uh, but they want the experience, uh, you know, of kind of, you know, I've always said it's, it's a little similar to owning your own sports franchise, you know, being involved in a, in a syndicate or a partnership. And, you know, we text back and forth every day and just about the horse and, you know, they, they've really enjoyed it. And they ask all kinds of questions just to keep learning and learning uh, the game. And hopefully we're going to, we're going to buy a couple more, you know, one or two more this year with the same group and, you know, hopefully add a couple guys um, and, and go from there. But it is, it's a fun, it's a fun crowd to be at. And you know, I know at Tampa or team and wherever we run next, everyone will, will show up and bring their wives and, and uh, just have a really good time at the races. Tell me a little bit about, I know you've had, you know, you've been with, with, uh, you know, I think your first horse obviously was with Todd Pletcher and then, uh, you know, Bill Mott, you've had horses with Rudolph Brissett and, and as of late, a majority of your horses ha- have been with, with George Weaver, who, who I've actually had the pleasure of getting to know through that process. Tell, tell uh, the audience a little bit about George and, and what it is about George that, uh, that, that kind of led you to him. You know, George came, you know, he came from Lucas program, worked for Todd and I'd met George a while ago uh, through Angel Cordero. And, you know, we became, you know, we became friends uh, pretty, you know, before I sent him horses and uh, we became a lot closer after I did, but just being around his program, his barn, him and Cindy, they do a very good job. They, they work very hard. Most trainers do work really hard, um, but we, you know, we formed a friendship and the communication is, is really, really good. So I don't need to worry about oh I haven't heard from George what's my horse is going you know what's going on with the horses <clears throat> I don't have to worry about oh he hasn't called me back which a lot of trainers they don't have good communication for one reason or another and a lot of trainers probably think owners bug them uh, with asking too much information sometimes so we've just became very close and he's fun to you know we go to dinner after the races and have a beer together. I just think the communication is there. You got to have a very good rapport with your trainer, mainly because there's there's more. I guess you probably get more bad news than you do good news on a regular basis, and so you need to be able to withstand the, the I guess the down the downside. And, and George can explain stuff to you on a, in layman terms when you bring new partners around, uh, which I think helps. Uh, with raising money and getting new clients, I think that helps to have a trainer to kind of go along with you and talk to them. Um, but mainly we did, we're very, very good friends. He treats the horses well. If they need time off, he gives them the time off. 
he's not going to press on them to make a small issue worse, which a lot of trainers, they will, not to an extent of, you know, a catastrophe, but a lot of trainers, they're afraid to send a horse to the farm because maybe they don't get it back. They send it to a different trainer, which I don't think is fair because he's trying to do what's right by the horse. So he does put the horses first and foremost. And, um, and again, he's just a very good friend. No, I obviously, uh, I, I love George. George is great. And, 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 uh, and I like just sitting out there. There's nothing better at Saratoga parking your, uh, golf cart right in that little kind of middle area. And then, uh, going over there and sitting on his little, uh, his little seating area over there and, and watching the horses walk by and, and, uh, listen to tell George tell stories. He tells good stories, old George. I know, I know Austin likes it because there's always a box of Dunkin' Donuts there. Austin is a fan. He's a fan. One day when I get to tell Austin that, uh, that, uh, three times at Saratoga, he's, he's bought donuts and delivered them personally to Angel Cordero. Uh, I'm looking forward to that story. Oh, Jake, by the way, speaking of Saratoga and Austin, dude, pulling in today from Chick-fil-A, Austin said to me out of nowhere, he said, Hey dad, when are we going to Saratoga? Yes. <laughs> you have them hooked. Yes. All right. So uh, that, that's the good news. Um, obviously, we've, we've had some uh, unfortunate uh, situations go on in racing in the last 24 hours. And, and uh, I, like I said, I would imagine that we've probably had 478 texts since then in a, in a group uh, with, with myself and Sean Borman and, and uh, Pete Fornatel. But uh, why don't you share just kind of what your initial thoughts are and your overall thoughts and just – where your brain is, you know, now after a couple of couple of uh, days to kind of re- not a couple of days, a couple of hours to reflect on on kind of what happened and uh, with the Jason Service, Jorge Navarro, and others indictment. Yeah, so just like everybody else, my my phone started ringing very early, text messages with friends or at the at work at the barn, etc. Was the news shocking? I was not shocked at all um, when I heard what was going on. I guess I was shocked that it actually happened. Um, I'm very shocked that Service and Navarro were colluding together, I guess, was the biggest um, shock to me. Uh, You know, I've seen some people tweet out, it's a sad day. I I disagree. Um, I think it's very, very good for our sport that they caught these guys. Um, And... It is. It's going to be a temporary black eye, but I think 10 years from now, we're going to look back and say, this is the turning point to cleaning up the sport. And people that do it the right way are going to benefit in the long term. Uh, And, you know, these guys are going to go to jail. They should go to jail. And and there's going to be a lot of horses that aren't going to be given illegal substances. And again, I, I was thrilled. I mean, I know you know that. And everybody in our industry has suspected these guys cheat and nothing has happened to them. They get caught, they get a slap on the wrist. So is it sad? It's a temporarily black eye, but I think it's, like I said, I think it's great for the game that they finally caught them. This isn't really about testing protocols. Everyone's going to, these chemists are going to come up with things to beat testing. So we got to do it's a shame that the FBI got involved. You know, I think the racetrack should have caught them. And if I knew that these guys were cheating or suspected, you have to think the head of Monmouth, Florida, New York, whoever, you'd have to think they knew 
So what actions were they taking? I don't know. But the good news is throughout this investigation, I think we will find out a lot more. We're going to find out facts. And I think there's going to be a lot more trainers uh, that, that get in trouble because of this. I think that vet Christian Ryan is sitting in a interrogation room yesterday with his family at home, probably spilling the beans on some other trainers that are not sleeping well right now. No, I mean, look, I, I, I said yesterday, I think that this is a beautiful day and a, and a, and a sad day. You know, I, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're sitting on the edge and someone's waiting to push us off. If, if, uh, if they keep getting this bad news surrounding our industry, right? I mean, I, I said on our on our flagship show yesterday, it's like the last five stories you've seen about horse racing are maximum security getting disqualified in the Kentucky Derby and no one knows about it. You know, 30, 40 plus horses dying at Santa Anita. <laughs> I mean, not that this has anything to do with any of us, but a robbery at a, at a racetrack. And then this story with the FBI arresting two guys for fixing races. You know, the wording says fixing races. I don't think they were... I mean, I guess they kind of were fixing races, but, you know, not like they were like, you know, whatever. But I think that 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 the public perception obviously is is we're really in trouble with that. We saw what happened with dog racing. That's my biggest concern is that when, I think when the people that said it's a sad day, I think that's the, the worry. But I also believe and agree with what you said um, that this could be and this should be the thing that kind of helps us get it going in the right direction. Um and, and to be honest, you know, I, I hope it does get it going in the right direction. And then, you know, there's a lot of troubling stuff that comes along with it. You know, you have some owners, oh, I didn't know they were cheating. Well, that, that's, that's BS. And it goes back to the, in my opinion, to the Houston Astros owner, and I'm an Astros fanatic. The Astros owner set up there, I didn't know what was going on. This guy's fired. This guy's fired. Well, you know what? If you didn't know, it was your job to know. And I guarantee that guy knew what was going on with the Astros organization. So and the, the reason I knew, suspected these guys are cheaters, is because I can read a form and look at the improvements horses make, right? Well, you go tell me an owner that doesn't look at a racing form. So if an average person knows this, well, if you're an owner and you're sending horses to these guys, and then you're, oh, I didn't know they were doing it. I just think it's a bold-faced lie. And I, I get it. They, they have to save face. They can't come out and say, yeah, we knew it. We knew it. Uh, but it just it looks bad. And, you know, I guess I like Rockingham's ranch. I think it looks terrible for them. They're not releasing a statement, which <clears throat> because it's under a federal indictment, I get it. You know, Coolmore, they're not saying anything. Again, it's under a federal indictment. So I understand those kind of those groups not saying much. Um, but for other owners, uh, we didn't know what was going on. I just think that's complete, complete BS. And hopefully, again, this will clean the game up. So the people that do it the right way are going to get rewarded. You know, just like we said, I had horses with Rudolph and George. I mean, you run second or third to these guys a lot. You know, that hurts their percentages. It hurts them from getting more horses. Owners don't make as much money. And, so ultimately, this will be a good thing for the sport. Uh, I just, you know, I hope, like what you said, it doesn't get way worse before it gets better. And I hope they don't try to get rid of it like dog racing. Big fella, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to hop on here and, and talk about uh, 
the fun and beautiful Philly that is uh, up in smoke. And then also to kind of share your thoughts on uh, on the news that broke yesterday. And, and, and I agree with you. I, I hope we can get going in the right direction. And, and I'm hopeful that, uh, that, that this is the, 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 the tree that's going to be planted that Burnick mentioned earlier. Hopefully this is the tree that's going to be planted that kind of helps us kind of grow out of this deal. So I appreciate taking the time. I know you got a lot going on today, so uh, we'll catch you uh, soon. Hopefully when she, uh, when she wins the stake. Yeah, we'll uh, catch up hopefully after uh, Tampa or Keeneland. Thanks for having me out. Always good to catch up with the big fella, and I, I appreciate uh, Jake sharing his his thoughts on on what was uh, at least a very disappointing day for for us in the racing industry. And and uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, share a lot of the same sentiments as 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 Jake and 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 as well as Craig. Um, not really sure. I didn't really have a plan on how I was going to wrap this up. I kind of gave my full thoughts on our flagship show, the In the Money Players podcast, where Pete and I recorded on Monday night, where we just kind of uh, went through our thoughts about everything that, that, that was discovered on Monday. But I'm um, having a few more days to think about it. I, I guess maybe there's a few other things on my brain. And and uh, I think one of the things I wanted to, that kept coming into my head is is just thinking about life in general and and people and humanity is like, at what point do good people turn into monsters? Because I think a lot of times these, these really disgusting things we, we see in the news and these, uh, a lot of these, these scandals that we see and, and this being a perfect example of it. And I don't know, everyone listed in there could be awful human beings, or they could be good people that went down wrong paths and at what point did it turn into this really disgusting and despicable thing? Because I don't think that most people wake up and say, I'm going to try to be as nasty as I can and take advantage of as many people as I can. And, and so it just kind of brought that question to, to my brain about humanity and like, when does when does all of this kind of turn in, into what it turned into or what it, at least it appears it turned into? And it's it's sad. You know, it's sad. Obviously, um, we've seen cheating happen in a lot of different situations. Uh, we've seen it uh, in, I would think at times we could argue we've seen it in our government at times. We've seen it in other sports. Um, the thing about this cheating, I think that, that Peter Thomas Fornatel said it best on our other show is that there was a party involved in this cheating that didn't have a say-so. Uh, when Barry Bonds decided to do what he did, it, it was him that made that decision and it was his body. Uh, the part that makes this one a little bit, uh, a little bit, not a little bit, a lot bit, nastier is the fact that there was these equine athletes that didn't have a say. And uh, I'm hopeful. I really am hopeful that we can find a way to to try to get this thing going back in the right direction. And I think of all the conversations I've had with various people, owners, trainers, horse players, um, people that don't know, uh, aren't involved in the game, just my, uh, my civilian friends, uh, as it were, um, it feels like we've got to find some unity in in trying to get these things resolved because it feels like having a fractured system of states and organizations allows for things to fall through the cracks. And I feel like when things fall through the cracks and there's a lot of dark spots, you know, it's, it's, the, it's not completely fully lighted. I feel like this is where things like this, they breed and that's where things like this come from. And so, uh, I don't know what kind of power you have in this industry. Uh, I don't know if you own a farm, run a farm, own a sales agency, work at a sales agency, work at a racetrack, own a racetrack, but I encourage you 
uh, if you can in any way, uh, put push those people that that and that are in power, or if you're one of those people, let's find a way to get down uh, to sit at the same table and try to come up with a plan uh, to try to prevent these things and other things that that our industry has has been faced with in the last two, five, ten years. Kind of sit down and come up with a plan to find a way to work together. And I can promise you right now, right? Whatever plan we come up with, it's probably not going to be perfect for you. But that's okay <laughs> because we might not have an industry uh, for it to be unperfect for you, right? Give a little. It, it's just like anything else in life. You got you to sacrifice a little and I encourage uh, people if you have some power uh, to do that. Let's, let's hopefully get this thing going in the right direction. Let's continue to take care of these horses and uh, let's continue to try to grow the sport that I, I know we all love. So uh, I appreciate you allowing me to soapbox for another four minutes. And, and I appreciate you guys taking the time and to listen to the show. Um, we appreciate your support and, and, and we're proud of, of this network and the opportunities that we have to, to speak about something that we all love and, and to hopefully be even a little bit helpful if we can. So um, I don't remember how Pete wraps this show. Oh, may the hammer drop your way. I think that's what he does. Um, and then he thanks everybody, but look, I'm going to just say goodbye. Thanks for listening. And, uh, we'll see you guys next week. My heart's out of the running. True love scratch for a hoodie's sake. The race is on and it looks like heartaches. And the winner loses all.